Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. Hey, welcome to the Investor Coaching Show. I am Paul Winkler. Talking money and investing and trying to make sense of some things that just don't make sense. Okay, so you're probably um, somebody that goes to a workplace. I'm guessing many of you are. You go to a workplace where you have a 401k, 403b, 457 plan, some kind of retirement plan, and you're trying to choose the things that you have at your disposal. In the plan, you got a list of investments, and those list of investments are going to be things that may be familiar to you, maybe not familiar to you. Maybe the company name is familiar to you. Probably the company name is familiar to you. Some of the biggest companies out there do a ton of advertising on investing. And, you know, as I can imagine being in your shoes, you see advertisements, you hear names that you're familiar with, and it gives you a level of comfort, right? I mean, probably. And then when you're choosing your investments, you're going, well, I don't really know which one of these to choose, but I know that the company is well-known. It's a big name. And thereby, you know, some of it's got to be okay. Maybe some things are better than others. I mean, let's face it. There's probably some things that they put out that aren't so great. Some things that they put out there that are pretty good. And then you're listening to how does the 401k work? Well, you know, in our 401k, let's say the the person running the meeting says, we have 100% match up to your first 3% of your contribution and 50% match of the next 2%. So if you put 5%, We'll do 100 of the first three, so that's 3%, and you'll do 50% of the next two, so that's another 1%, and that's a total of 4%. (laughs) I'm just sitting here using my fingers going, wait a minute, I got uh, two hands going here. (laughs) But anyway, so you're going to be selecting your investments, and you're going, okay, which funds do I use now? And the person running the meeting dutifully tells you that if you don't know which funds to choose, then just use the target date fund. You know, if it says target 2040, then you just put your money in that one and you're done with it. You don't have to select anything else, but you go, well, there are a lot of other funds to choose from. Well, some people like to have a little bit more control than that, so they want to put some money in these other funds. And you go, okay, well, that's not me. I'll just put it in the target date fund. And I'll see people come in in our offices with two different target day funds. I go, well, you know, so I got target 2030 fund here and I got target 2050 fund. <laughs> well, that's a 20 years difference between the retirement date. Which one is going to be your retirement date? I don't know. I was diversifying. Well, no, you know, what they're doing is they're managing the portfolio such that if you're going to retire in 2050, you're going to have more stocks. Uh, on average, uh, then you're going to have, well, I say on average, because I've seen some really weird target day funds that, you know, do things in a totally different manner. So I'll never speak in blanket terms anymore on this show um, because of that. Uh, Or if you're going to retire in 2030, then you're going to have a different allocation. Now, it'll probably be the same mutual funds, but just in different proportions. You'll have a little bit more in the bond area with the portfolio 
that is typically for the person retiring a little bit earlier. So you just go, well, I'm going to retire in 2030s. I think I will just put everything in the 2030 fund because that's what it's designed for. Is somebody retiring in that particular year? I'll just do that. And then you go put your money in and then you forget about it. You don't think about it every once in a while. Maybe you look at the statements, probably not. But, you know, you just go and, and put all that money in there and then you just let it rip. Well, lo and behold, somebody like me comes along and goes, uh, you know what? I want you to think about this a little bit more. I want you to think a little bit more about what exactly you are doing. And you go, okay, so what do I need to think about? Well, let's say that we have a fun family like uh, Fidelity, for example. And I'll use Fidelity because I pick on Vanguard all the time. I think I'll pick on Fidelity now. Uh, and I'll pick on American funds. So we go and buy a Target, uh, Target 2040 fund from Fidelity, first of all. And then you have different mutual funds. And you look at, oh, this is a mutual fund of mutual funds. So you can have two sets of expenses. You have the fund itself, and then you have the underlying funds. So you don't recognize that because you typically only look at the one management fee. You don't look at everything else. But um, not, nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying that that's, that's what's going on. A lot of people don't recognize that's what's going on. So what I like to do with these types of funds is I look at an overlap. I look at, you know, one of the rules of investing is to diversify, right? Have Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Have your money spread out between lots of different things. So you go, well, this is certainly doing that. This mutual fund has a lot of mutual funds in it, so they're spreading the money out, aren't they? And I would say, well, yeah, maybe, but let's take a look. And what we do is we take the names of the mutual funds inside the target date fund and say, okay, well, they got the Fidelity Series Growth Company Fund in there. They got the Fidelity Series Blue Chip Growth Fund in there. They've got the All Sector Equity Fund and the Opportunistic Insights Fund in there. And they got the Large Cap Stock Fund. They got the Intrinsic Opportunities Fund. And they got this whole list of different funds in there and, you know, Series Value Funds, you know, so on and so forth. And you go, okay, so let's look at them. What are, the, what, what are inside those mutual funds? Because those mutual funds hold stocks, right? Yes, they do. And what stocks do they hold? Well, I just named six mutual funds for you. Growth company, blue chip, all sector, uh, opportunistic, and large cap, and intrinsic opportunities fund. And all six of those funds own Apple stock. So guess what happens if something happens where Apple stock goes down? All six, six of those funds are negatively affected by that. Then you got Microsoft. Six of those funds own Microsoft stock. And then you got ExxonMobil. They had the large value, the value, the opportunistic insights, stock selector fund, large cap value fund, all sector, blue chip, intrinsic, and growth. All of those mutual funds I just named. They're all separate mutual funds. All of them own ExxonMobil. And then you go, well, NVIDIA. Uh, then you got six of the funds on that front. And I can go through page after page. Bank of America. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight mutual funds own Bank of America stock. And what did we just hear problems with bank stocks, right, in general? I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about Bank of America in particular. But I'm saying in general, we were hearing problems with bank stocks and you know, pretty big declines in bank stocks. And all those mutual funds own the same bank stocks. You know, so if you look through, they got, you know, they have uh, 
Amazon, uh, Meta platforms, United Health Group, uh, uh, Wells Fargo's bank that just, you know, there was all the, they were in the news for all the wrong reasons recently. Um, go look it up. Uh, then you got General Electric and you got, you know, so, so on and so forth. So what is happening here is you're breaking a fundamental rule of investing. You think I'm diversifying and you go, well, wait a minute. No, I'm not diversifying. A lot of these mutual funds ain't own those same exact stocks. Now, the other thing that you run into here is this. You'll have turnover in the fund. You hear me say that, you know, watch turnover in your investment portfolio. If you have turnover of 50%, means 50% of the holdings are different from one year to the next. And you go, so Paul said, make sure you watch the turnover in the mutual fund. Well, the problem is you may look at the turnover of this target date fund and see that it's not tremendously high. You know, it went, but, you know, sometimes they are. It just boggles my mind how often you will see fairly high turnover rates in these things, because what they're turning over when you look at the target date fund turnover, you're looking at how often they turn over the funds inside of the fund. So if you got 50% turnover, that means 50% of the mutual funds are different from the year before. And you know, then you go, well, wait a minute, there's another step deeper, isn't there? And there, the answer to that would be yes, there is another step deeper. How much turnover is in the fund inside of the funds? And there you start to see that like the all-sector equity fund has 46% turnover. Almost half the stocks are different from one year to the next. Blue chip fund, a 48% turnover. Uh, Canada fund wasn't too bad, it 19%. Then you got the emerging markets fund, 65% turnover, according to Morningstar, as of May of 2023. And you go, whoa, wait a minute, that's a lot of buying and selling going on. What was the return of the fund? And when you look at it, you'll typically only see like three, five, and 10-year track record. Let's go back a little further than that, shall we? And let's go back from September 2000 through May of 2023, September 2000 when the fund was opened, uh, to May of 2023. The average annual return was a whopping 4.7%, 4 less than 5%. And you go, well, you know, if I looked at more recent performance, it would have looked better. I don't know what it was, but it, it was much higher than that. And that's what, you know, that's what's, that's what they sell on. But you go, well, wait a minute. I need return for the whole time that I'm investing. I don't need it just for the most recent period in time. And you go, well, why was the return so low? Well, because of something called tactical asset allocation, which is changing around the funds inside the portfolio, which I described as turnover of the funds in the funds. Then you got turnover inside the portfolio. And what we know from research, as I've talked about on this show for over 20 years, those two things, which are often thought of as investment management, that's what you do when you manage a portfolio. You do that. You figure out which areas the market to be in and, and all. And then it brings me back to my original point, which if you remember, my original point was I go to my 401k meeting and I see a name that I'm familiar with and I am comfortable with that. And I go, oh, well, you know, they're a big name. They couldn't be in business for as long as they have been without being really great at managing money and doing all the right things with my money. And to which I would answer, not necessarily. Don't go and turn a blind eye because you may not be getting what you necessarily expect. And, you know, and I said, well, I, I mentioned uh, Fidelity right there. I said, well, American funds, they have funds that are the same thing, Target 2040 funds. And if you pull up one of their funds and you go, well, let's go through the same exercise. Well, you got Microsoft is owned by 
let's see, Investment Company of America, Washington, Mutual, AMCAP Fund, the Growth Fund, the Fundamental Investors, New Economy Fund, New Perspective Fund, American Balanced, American Mutual, uh, Capital World Growth and Income Fund, New World Fund, Global Insight, Global Balance Fund, Capital Income Builder, Income Fund of America. Those are all mutual funds that I just named off, all of them owning Microsoft stock, according to Morningstar, when you do an overlap analysis. Broadcom, I'm not going to go through the list again. I don't, I don't want to bore you. But if you, you look at the list, and it's that long. It's, let's see, held by 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 mutual funds. 15 mutual funds in that mutual fund own Broadcom. And then Philip Morris, you see the same thing. United Healthcare, it's, uh, it's not quite 15. It looks like about 12. But, but it's a pretty, a pretty good high number. So you look at that and go, well, wait a minute, what is going on here? How did they choose these mutual funds? They apparently did not choose them because who put the mutual funds inside the fund together? The same company. They should know what is inside their own mutual funds. They should know that they are doing this and they're engaging in this activity of buying lots of different funds that own the same exact stocks. And you go, well, how's this, how's, how's this possible? What is going on here? And um, I don't know. <laughs> it's a good question. I actually had a, a meeting one time and a financial advisor. Uh, it was really awkward. Oh, my goodness. Really awkward. This guy is wanting to meet with me and talk with me. And he brings in his financial advisor. <laughs> you talk about an awkward me. I was like, well, wait a minute. You're here. You must be here because you don't have confidence in this person. And this is what I want to say. You don't have confidence in this person that you're working with. That must be the reason you're here, right? That has to be it. <laughs> and yet you want your person to hear what, what do you want me to train your person? I'm not sure exactly what's going on here. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of advisor training. Matter of fact, I, I was actually signed up to go through a doctoral program. Uh, it was uh, about four years ago. And a friend of mine goes, Paul, you don't want to do that. And I said, well, why don't I want to do that? And he goes, well, why do you want to do it? And I said, well, I'd like to train financial advisors. He goes, they'll never learn. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't bother. And it was funny because I did literally this in front of the advisor. I walked them through this process. You know, you know what they did? You know what, the, you know what change they made? <laughs> I think you can hear from the, from the sarcasm in my voice. None. They made no changes whatsoever. I don't know how on earth the client ever came to the conclusion that not changing and doing something different wasn't a good idea based on this. But somehow it, it didn't cross his mind to, uh, to make any changes. You know, so in effect, you look at this and go, what on earth is going on? And I cannot, for the life of me, answer your question. You know, I want to diversify. You know, when I'm, if I've got target day 2040, I'm, in, in, I'm not going to retire for quite a while, right? If I own this mutual fund, you know, so what is the mix of assets? Well, Two-thirds of it is U.S. stocks. One-third of it's international. Well, that's only one country in the entire world that I've got two-thirds of the money in. And that's the country where, you know, we're worried about the dollar devaluing and, you know, a lot of things like that. And you go, well, you know, it, it, some people are worried about that. You know, I, I go, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But if you happen to be that something that you're worried about, wouldn't you maybe want to not 
be diversified or just concentrated it all in one country? Maybe you want to be diversified amongst a lot more countries. Maybe. And then you look at large companies versus small companies, and you know that 83% of 20-year periods, small companies have a higher return than, um, than, than large companies. And growth companies, 96% of the time, have a lower return, lower return than value. Value has a higher return than growth, other way of saying that, 96% of 20-year periods in history, right? Heard me say that before. Well, you know, with that, we'd say, hey, maybe I want to have a little bit more in, uh, you know, I want to have some, some small company exposure here, right? Well, well over 90% of the money in this fund is sitting in big companies. I mean, there's very little money actually in small companies in this portfolio, less than 1% in microcap stocks, real small companies. And you look at the asset mix, the style box, where it tells you what area of the market predominantly they're in, large blend and large growth. If you look at the past 10 years, it's those two style boxes, large blend, large growth. And where do we expect the least return long run would be, yes, large blend, large growth, right? So hence you see the problem over and over. And yet companies like this, and, and I don't mean to pick on just these two companies, Fidelity American Funds, but you know, I... My point being is that so often you as an investor will gravitate to a name because you're familiar with the name and you think they can't be this big unless they're really great. To which I would answer, no, there's a lot of marketing and there's a lot of freedom to do whatever you want to do in this industry because everybody's kind of doing the same thing and there's safety in numbers. If all these big mutual fund companies and investment companies are messing up in the same way and everybody's doing it, then the investor sits there and goes, well, you know, six and one half dozen the other. You know, which one do I go to? I don't know. And this is why, again, I think it is so critical as an investor that you just don't just turn a blind eye, that you start to understand these things so that hence you're not part of this whole mess that we call the investing world, and you're not subject to the crazy activities that they engage in. I mean, and this is my point all the time with investors. You know, if you think about the rules of investing, you know, buy when prices are low, sell when they're high. Well, you know, I just want to follow the rules, and I'll talk more about that in just a second. They're not that hard, but we just got to understand when we're not following that we maybe need to make a little bit of a change. Hey folks, I want to tell you something I'm really excited about. My new book, Confident Financial Planning is finally out. It's in paperback, hardcover, Kindle version, and I actually have an audiobook version of it. Uh, it talks about building your financial castle. I use that throughout the book, talking about your investments, your financial plan is kind of like a castle. You have your savings and your emergency funds. I talk about that, debt, good debt, bad debt. I talk about special goal funds and how to set those things up and how to invest for those types of special things that you might want to do in the future. Types of retirement accounts, different types of taxation of investment accounts. I talk about real estate investing and pros and cons of that, how to project retirement assets, 
and your moat. You know, that's how you protect your castle. It's the risk management aspect of a financial plan. You want to find out more about that? You go to paulwinkler.com forward slash book to get it. And uh, hope you enjoy. All right. So um, I'm talking about in general, in general, you know, so often we get information about investing from big companies we're familiar with. I know who they are. I've heard them. I've seen their ads. And and I think, wow, this must be really, really great stuff. And, and I have picked on various fund companies. And I feel like sometimes I have to pick on the fund company because number one, we don't get paid by fund companies. So I don't have a dog in that fight, number one. So it's not like I'm picking on a fund company because they're my, com- my competition. They're, they're not. Uh, I'm, I'm picking on them because... So often people just blindly invest and they don't know anything about what they're doing. And unfortunately, a lot of times the investment advisors don't either. So one of the things that I talk about so often here is that there are rules of investing that we've heard forever. And my point about understanding something about investing is not that you need to understand how to measure the covariance in the various asset between the various asset categories in your investment portfolio, you know, you really need to know the sharp ratio of this fund or, you know, have you know, take a look at the alpha on this fund is the manager adding value plus or minus the asset category, or is their activity taking away from return? And, you know, I'm not talking about that. You don't need to know all that stuff. It's just probably good that we, we know it, but you don't need to know everything. But here is what is really important. There are certain rules of investing, and many times when I have a first meeting with somebody or any of my people, you know, in the the offices around, I've trained all of them, and what I teach them to do is this. And, you know, and these guys have been doing this for a long time. Uh, You know, some of these guys have been with me almost for 20 years. So, you know, here's my point. When I sit down with somebody... I want you to understand that you have more knowledge about investing than you give yourself credit for. So I'll say, give me the rules of investing. What are they? And they will say, ah, Paul, I don't know anything. And I'll go, no, 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 no. You're not getting off that easy. <laughs> no. I buy when price, oh yeah, they're buy, buy low, sell high, they'll say. And I'll go, perfect, good. Okay, now the next rule of investing is put all your eggs in one basket. And they're like, no, 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 diversify. And I'll say, yeah, very good. And then the next rule of investing is, should I get in, get out, get in, get out? No, no, don't try to time the market. And clients will, they will actually say what the rule of investing is. I don't even, I just can maybe prod them a little bit and that's about it. Then I'll, then I'll say, okay, so when you buy bonds, what are bonds there for? Uh, they're saying, uh, I said, don't think too hard. And they'll go, oh, safety. Perfect. Good. And, you know, make sure that you don't try to figure out which stocks are better than others. You know, some people that, that they, they might have a little problem with that one is because so often we see these TV shows where somebody's telling which stocks to buy and which stocks not to buy and all that stuff. So people do kind of get tripped up on that one. Don't pick stocks. You know, and I'll have to maybe sometimes to share the statistic of professional managers and their performance versus the market where you know, less than 10% of them over 15 years in every asset category, every one of them just about, I can't think of one that's not, uh, ended up underperforming what the market did on its own. So we go and we say, these are the rules of investing. 
Now, here's the deal. Are you following the rules of investing? And they're like, I don't know. And then what we do is, well, how did you choose a mutual fund? Well, I chose. we chose on three, five, 10-year track record, whatever. And maybe they don't even know how they were chosen. I find people do that too. I don't even know how they chose the funds. Well, ask them. Ask, you know, how did you choose these funds? And then you'll hear quite often, you know, we looked at the five, 10-year track. We look at the star rating, which is based on track record. Uh, you know, so that's a big part of the star rating of a mutual fund is historical performance versus a benchmark. And then you go, okay, well, wait a minute. What was the rule of it? Buy when prices are low, sell high. Oh, what, what is it? If, if it had a good track record, is it low or is it high? Well, it's high compared to other things. So hence, many times I'm breaking that rule of investing. I'm actually buying high. That doesn't make sense, does it? And then diversify. And I talk about what I'm talking about here, where you have several funds that own the same exact stocks. Well, that's not diversification. That's overlap. And then we look at, you know, how, what types of bonds are in the portfolio. And I look at the credit ratings of the bonds and go, wow, these uh, companies are pretty risky. And you're putting all your money into these bonds. And you know, it goes on and on, but what happens is that we once we find that the rules of investing are being broken and we're breaking them, then all of a sudden we feel a little bit uneasy. And it's not my point to make somebody uneasy, to scare them or anything like that. I'll let the other people do that and scare you about the federal debt. I'll let them scare you about the dollar crashing. I'll let them scare you about AI. I'll let them scare you. Because that is, is scaring for the sake of getting you to do something <laughs> typically that's really imprudent, like buy gold or, or you know, real estate investment trust was one thing that was a, a few years back or, or you know, get into... Now, the ESG, you know, because ESG, you know, that's going to be the answer because the government's going to do this to companies that are not ESG compliant. So you need to do that. And, and, you know, and you know, there's any number of ways that people get scared, you know, st stick your money in CDs, you know, because, because the interest rates are high and stock market, you don't know what it's going to do. And this president's blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, that is you know, what we often see out there is scaring people for that reason. But my reason for educating people in this way isn't to scare them so much as just to wake them up and go, hey, you know what? Make some changes. You can't fix the past, but there are changes that you probably, now that you know this, that you're not diversified, that you bought based on past performance, which breaks another rule of investing, that your mutual fund is buying and selling, trading, the turnover ratio is 50%, so 50% of the stocks are different from what they were the year before, so that's stock picking. You see that rule of investing being broken right there. And then I, I mentioned the style box thing earlier with the American funds thing. I said it was large blend, there was large growth, and it was large blend, it was large growth. That I didn't explain it when I said that, but that is a form of market timing, is tactical asset allocation. You know, so I have this change in the fund where it's moving from one area to another, and that is a form of market timing. So once you find out that you've named five rules of investing and all five are being broken, the likelihood of you wanting to go, maybe I should be doing something different, enters your mind. And then all of a sudden, now you are given that incentive to actually start to fix things. I was reading a book about that recently. And this guy was just talking about how going through, and he called it a stumbling block. He says, anytime we look at making change in our lives, he said, you know, we have 
let's say an ego-based change is the way he called it. An ego-based change is maybe you go and you buy a self-help book, but you're looking for things to change. And there are two sides to this because you may be actually getting uh, familiar with other people's mistakes when you're doing that. But somehow or other, the things that you want to change comes into it and you are a big part of the process in determining what you want to change. But he says the best change takes place just by living life and, and just by going through things. And I think that is so true, is so often we will be living life, something happens to us, and we go, ah, you know what? I can't make that mistake again. And we never forget those mistakes because they're typically attached to emotion. You know, maybe loss. You know, insight, in psychology, they will tell you that insight isn't always the best teacher. Sometimes it sticks with you, and sometimes it does not stick with you. But when something that happens to you is attached to emotion, you have something that goes wrong and you have an emotional response to it, you know, fear, anger, uh, you know, you have anything like that. And what, what happens is then we go, I will never forget that lesson. So hence the reason I like to do this is just go, hey, you know what? It's like this sense of, oh, man. Uh, I can't believe that they're doing this. And that might be anger. I can't believe they are doing this. They're, this portfolio, all the, all the mutual funds own the same stocks. This is crazy. And sometimes I get people to the point of anger just because they go, you know what? I am that. And I have clients years and years later. And, uh, and they will say, I'll never forget when you did that, when you brought us through that process in the beginning. And, and I go, yeah, you know what? Here's why. Because you'll never go back and do that again, will you? <laughs> and they're like, no, I will never do that again. So hence, this is why I think it's so important to know this as an investor. Because if I can get you to understand how you're breaking the very rules of investing that you told me, then the likelihood of you not wanting to change and remembering why you made that change is going to be very high. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., PWI, an investment advisor registered in the state of Tennessee. PWI does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation. This information is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any securities.